What I have to share this morning is not for everybody. What I have to share this morning is for just a few. And uh, some people may stay at a whole maybe 25, 30 minutes and not get anything. But there is a few that will receive a word from God today. Habakkuk chapter 3. And I will read from verse 17. Father, I thank you this morning for your grace, for your anointing, for your mercy. I thank you for your word. You declare in Jeremiah, the Lord had given me the tongue of the learned that I may know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. Speak your word, Lord, this morning. I stand as Moses before Pharaoh, just depending on what you put in my mouth and my heart. And I thank you for receptive hearts this morning that will receive your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 17. He said, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. Although the labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. Though the flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stall. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like hinds feet and he will make me to walk upon high places. Hallelujah. Are we in church this morning? Hallelujah. You know, I will sum that scripture up with, uh, from the book of Isaiah because I wouldn't do Habakkuk much justice if I just go ahead from Habakkuk chapter 3. I will read for you Isaiah chapter 40 from verse 28. Has thou not known, has thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth does not faint, neither is he tired. There is no searching of his understanding. He gave a power to the faint and to them that have no might, he increased strength. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run, they will not be weary. They will walk and they will not faint. Hallelujah. You know, there, there, there are a couple of things about God that really, really intrigue me. Uh, you know, I've been saved since December 1998 at a sober watchman camp meeting in Liberia, West Africa. And... I have come by experience to understand and to know and to believe that sometimes God doesn't give you all the answers before he sends the problem. Sometimes he brings you before a mountain but gives you no rope to climb. And that's because the normal thing to climb a mountain with is a rope. But God understands that if you have all the answers and all the solutions in life, then you wouldn't need him. And so God always puts things in our way or puts us in situations where our entire focus and our dependency is onto him. I am intrigued in Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31. Why would God liken or compare us to eagles? We are at two different levels in the horizon of the earth. We live on the earth. The eagle fly at a height and an altitude that man cannot reach. So why would God in his wisdom 
liken mankind to an eagle. The eagle is one of the biggest birds of the whole species. But they fly the highest of all the birds in the world. But still there is a height in life that the eagle wishes to be at. That on a normal condition of flying, the eagle's wings cannot take him to. So the eagle looks and waits for the storm. Because when there is a storm, the eagle flies at a certain height where its own wings can go. But then the eagle relies on the storm to take him to an altitude that his wings cannot take him to. So when the time comes in the midst of the storm that the eagle's wings and strength cannot go through, the eagle depends on the storm to take him to an altitude where all he does is no longer flies, but just soar. So while the eagle waits for the storm, men run from the storm. And God is saying, I want you to be like the eagle because I will send some storms your way. I will send some issues your way. I will send some mountains your way. I will send some obstacles your way that in your own strength you cannot overcome. But you need the storms of life to take you to a height in life that you cannot go on your own. They that wait. They that wait. They that wait. You know, I grew up in Africa. I, I, I only moved to this country nine years ago. And sometimes people in Africa have their little backyard garden. And some people raise their own chicken in their home. And I've shared this analogy before when we were doing service online. Consider the hen and the chicks or the hen and the eggs. It is not the responsibility of the hen to crack the egg for the chicks to come out because the hen does not know what is happening inside of the egg. All the hen does is to sit on the egg for five weeks and provide heat and pressure on the egg. And the heat and the pressure on the egg is what produces the cheeks on the inside of the egg. And so this is to tell you that God will put some heat and pressure on you. In your life, you will go through some stuff that you can't understand. The head is not trying to kill the cheeks. The head is trying to develop the cheek on the inside. And so sometimes the pressure you go through in life it's not God trying to kill you. It's God trying to develop something on the inside of you. You may not understand it now because your mind is limited, but the pressure, the heat that God provides will build you up from the inside out. So, 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 so God will cause you to go through some storms. But everything you go through in life, God has been the author. What does an author do? He writes. Your life is a story written by God. In the beginning of the story, you look good, you flourish. In the middle of the story, you are down and shot, cast out and abandoned and neglected and frustrated. At the end of the story, when the final chapters of your life are written, you win. God is glorified. The enemy is ashamed. So no matter where you find yourself in life today, 
Let's say God knew before you got there. God understood it before you got there. As a matter of fact, breaking news, God designed it. You know, back in Liberia, when I was growing up, I used to notice when people were building this huge construction, they would put the entire perimeter of the construction site in fence. And I just saw it and I just passed. I visited the U.S. in 2009, and I was in Chicago with my brother, and we were walking downtown Chicago on Michigan Avenue, and there was this construction going on. And then I noticed also that in America, they put fence around the entire perimeter of the, of the site. Then I grew anxious to know why. So we went into the site. We asked for the, the guy in charge. They sent us to a small building, temporary place where the offices of the site was. And I asked the supervisor, the builder, the drafter, whatever he, he was. I said, I, I noticed when people doing a great construction like this, they normally hide the perimeter of the construction. I'd like to know why. And he laughed. He said a builder is jealous of his work. He said a builder does not want people on the outside to follow the progress of the work he's doing. He said he doesn't want people to have no business with his work to see when he put up the windows and when he put up the doors and when he laid a foundation and what material he put into the foundation. So he hides his work from the outside so that only people that have interest, that have business with it, can be inside a perimeter. And as he was speaking to me all the way back in 2009, God said, that's what I do with you. Sometimes I hide you from the world. Sometimes, have you wondered why people who loved you before don't love you no more? Have you wondered why people who, who cared about you don't care about you no more? Have you wondered why people who visited you don't visit you no more? Have you wondered why, 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 why people who helped you don't help you no more? It's because God is doing a work on the inside of you. And so God has built a barricade around you. Because not everybody has a part in your story. Not everybody has a part in your life. A part in your testimony. Do not God on the inside of you that he does not want man to have a glory in. God is building something on the inside of you. He does not want any friend, any family have a share of, of, of your own glory. He said, I will share my glory with no man. So people used to visit you and they don't visit you no more. People loved you before they don't love you no more. It's not their fault. They are outside the perimeter. Because God is doing a work on the inside. The thing about God, he always starts from the inside out. God always starts from the inside out. Everything you see on the outside has its origin on the inside. That's why the Bible says Christ in you is the hope of glory. You may not understand what you're going through today. You may not know what you're going through today. You have no solution. Your mind cannot decipher and comprehend. But God is hiding you because he's doing a work in you. Yes, sir. Does it interest you that it's always people who bear the dream of God that go through the worst stuff in life? It's always people who have the hand and purpose and destiny of God on their lives. 
that go through the worst calamities and situation in their lives. Because God has set you up for glory. And the only way to glory is Calvary. You got to have a cross. You got to have a cross. You got to have a cross. You know, this morning I was in the, uh, last night I was in the uh, shower. And I was thinking about this thing. Why does God always put the people that bear the dreams of God through the most stuff in life? And the only thing God told me is Psalm 23. I will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Some of you, you're so nice and friendly. You don't want any enemies. Everybody's your friend. And what you literally do is you delay your table. Because God only prepares your table in the presence of your enemies. The reason your table is delayed because you've surrounded yourself with all friends and people that love you. You don't want anybody who hates you around you. You need your enemies because when God wants to fix your table, he looks around to show off. And if he sees no enemy, your table is delayed. He said he prepared a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Go gather some enemies. Hang around some folks who don't like you. Hang around some folks who want to see you fail because it's their proximity to you that God will use to raise your story. Why you worry? Why you worry? Why you worry? Why are you? Listen. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, long story short, there was a man named Goliath that challenged Israel to battle. It will interest you to know that Goliath is not a Philistine name. It's a Hebrew name. That means it wasn't a Philistine that named him Goliath. It was Israel that called him Goliath. And they called him Goliath because of what they saw before them. It's interesting also that even the Bible doesn't just tell you how Goliath looked. The Bible tells you what he carried. He carried a huge spear, a huge javelin. He wore a shield of iron around his knee. That's how big the giant was. Something interested me in the story. The Bible said for 40 days, morning and evening, Goliath stood on the mountain and challenged Israel. I am still here. And that's how you live. Every morning, your giant reminds you that he's still around. Every evening before you go to bed, your giant shows up as the last thing that you see before you sleep. The Bible said for 40 days and 40 nights, 40 days. before you but for Israel and 40 nights moment they opened their eyes there was the voice of Goliath you open your eyes and the first thing you think about is the mortgage it's the rent it's the bills before you go to bed the last thing you think about is the mortgage the bills the taxes your problem always find a way on time to remind you that it exists but there is a David. There is a David. From the moment David arrived on the scene, he refuses to acknowledge this guy as Goliath. He called him an uncircumcised Philistines. For too long, you've told God how big your problem is. 
You've never told your problem how big God is. Nothing you've gone through, nothing you've going through, nothing you will go through is a surprise to God. Nothing. Nothing is a surprise to him. All you need in life is your foundation in him. The Bible said, for in him we live, in him we move, in him we have our very existence. We are nothing without God. No education, no name, no car, no property, no job can suffice the greatness of our God. A few years ago, about 20 years ago, I had a job in Liberia with a company called Firestone. The Firestone tires that you see, that you buy and you drive all come from my country, Liberia. We have the largest rubber plantation in the world. But in 1989, there was a civil war in Liberia that lasted 14 years, killed 250,000 people. And concessions and companies were burned to the ground. Lamco, iron ore, burned to the ground. Libinco, palm oil, burned to the ground. Many companies were burned to the ground. And so since the war ended, they never returned to Liberia. But Firestone never left Liberia. Throughout the war, Firestone remained with a skeleton staff, but they remained operating. And the question is why? Because when the rebels burned Libinko, they burned the buildings, they burned the factories. When they burned Lamco, they burned even the rail. They destroyed the railroad so that the trains could not transport iron ore anymore. But what the rebels forgot to do when it came to Firestone? They looted the buildings, they looted the factory, they looted the cars, they burned them. But Firestone came back because the rebels forgot to loot the rubber trees. You see, Firestone income come from the rubber trees. As long as the trees remain planted, it will produce rubber. As long as rubber is being produced, Firestone will make money. As long as Firestone makes money, the offices can be rebuilt. The factory that was burned can be built. The cars that were burned can be repurchased. I got good news for you. The enemy can take your wife. He can take your husband. He can take your children. If he can't take Jesus out of the souls of your heart, everything you've lost, everything he's taken from you, God is going to restore. Because he said in Joel 2, 28, I will restore the years the locusts have eaten. I will restore to you that which you've lost. I will restore to you everything you've taken. Let them take whatever they want. The rubber trees were still planted. Firestone returned. The rubber trees were still planted. Firestone returned. We got a song that we sing. They say, I thank God for the mountains and I thank him for my valleys. I thank him for the storms he's brought me through. But if I never had a problem, how will I know that God could solve them? How will I know what faith in his word can do? Through it all. Through it all. 
I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all. Through it all. I've learned to depend upon his word. Has God put you through storm recently? Has God put you through stuff that you didn't see coming? I haven't even gotten to Habakkuk yet. But I'll take you to a man named Job. <laughs> God is very funny. Let me tell you, God is a joke. God is a joker. He makes people laugh. <laughs> In Job chapter 1, the Bible said the sons of God gathered. And guess who was in their midst? Satan. Of all the sons of God that were gathered, God chose nobody to have a conversation with but Satan. He makes me laugh. There were angels, good ones. But God chose Satan. Hey, Satan, what are you doing here? Where you been? I ain't seen you for long. So God, come on now. You know, I've been roaming to and fro the earth, you know. And, and, and then God said, have, have you considered Job? Point number one. It wasn't Satan who brought up Job's name. It was God. Some of the problems you're going through in life, God called your name. Satan never mentioned Job. God mentioned Job first. You've been going to and fro? Have you seen Job? I said, I said, God, come on. The guy loves you because you bless him. Really? Because I blessed him? Yeah. Take everything he has and leave him to me. And God said, you want to play that game? Let's play the game. Skin for skin. Just don't take his life. Point number two. Satan and God are having a game of chess. Job knows nothing about it. He's the pawn. The guy is faithfully serving God. But God is prepared to put the guy through the rudiments of the fire to prove to the enemy that I'm rooted in this guy's heart and I cannot be uprooted. Okay, God. Skin for skin? Okay. He smite him. Kill his children. Kill his farm. Destroy his property burn everything one child after another child one child after another child killed with your children and job say though he slay me yet will i serve him <laughs> job goes through all of this problem in chapter one and two in chapter 14 job say Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Some of you gave up in chapter 3 in your life story. Job in chapter 14, he said, I will wait until my change come. You see, Job understood something. That God is a God of time. The Bible says in Psalm 15, 21 or 21, 15. He said, God, my times are in your hands. 
My times, oh God, are in your hands. Have you monitored your life? Have everybody around you growing up with you look like they're going forward and you are just going backward? All your friends are progressing, but every time it came to you, there's a stalemate. Nothing works. Every time. My friend Jeremiah used to work in a goldsmith shop in Liberia. And I used to happen to go there and sit with him. Not where the showcase was, but in the back where they made the gold. So it's one thing to come in the showroom and see the gold beautiful, shiny in the glass compartment. But what you fail to realize is behind there in the back room, there was fire being displayed. Because gold is not yellow, it's black actually. But how did it become so yellow, beautiful, precious and shiny? It went through the fire. It went through the process of God. And he used to take the candle wax and shape the candle wax. That shaping of the candle wax meant he had to use knife or razor to cut and shape it. And then put the candle wax in this clay pot and melt the gold by fire and pour it into the shape and the gold will take the shape of the candle wax in Jeremiah chapter 18 one day Jeremiah was complaining about his life God said I want to show you something I want you to go to the porter's house he went to the porter's house he stood out the window and looking in and the Bible says he saw the porter make a vessel of clay and after making the vessel, the porter was not satisfied with how it looked. So the porter who made the vessel broke it to make something else. Have you noticed your life being broken down? Have you noticed your life being broken apart? Have you noticed your life looked like it was going in one direction and all of a sudden, one moment of life, one moment of life and everything you've worked for was gone. That's because as the clay is in the hand of the porter, so are you in God's hand. I shared this analogy before about two words, renovation and rebuilding. To renovate is actually to keep the old and put cosmetics on it and it looks new again. Many times that's what we do with our lives. We renovate. We hide our shame. And we build cosmetics over it to hide it. And we walk around like it's all right. God does not renovate. God rebuild. And rebuilding is a process of breaking down the entire old and starting afresh. And that's what God will do with your life. God will break you down to build a better you. So if you are in God's rebuilding process, good luck to you. So here is Habakkuk. In chapter 3 verse 18, he said, Although the fig tree will not blossom, although there be no food in my house, there be no anima in the store, yet I would praise him. In order to understand what Habakkuk was coming from, where he was coming from, you have to go back to Habakkuk chapter 1 and then read. This is a good workout. This ain't easy. I don't know how pastor does it. Uh, you know, you know 
I don't know if I should go through with the health and wealth challenge. This is good right here. I ain't sweat like this in a long time. The burden which Habakkuk did see. Oh Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? How long will I cry of violence and you will not hear me? Habakkuk begins to give a litany of complaints that God, you are not fair. And let me remind you, Habakkuk is not some ordinary guy. He's a prophet of the most high God. When he came to the place in his life where he questioned God. He said, God, you know how many times I have prayed and you have not heard me? He said, God, I see you allow the wicked to flourish. You allow the wicked to live in mansions. And when I cry, you don't hear me. The prophet of God complaining about the unfairness of God. If you are a Christian in this place and you've never faced persecution, trials and tribulation, you're not a Christian. Your journey with him has not started. So God says to Habakkuk in verse 5, he said, Habakkuk, the things you're going through now is because I'm about to do a work in you that even if you were told, you will not believe it. I'm about to give you the feet and the hands of your enemies. So in order to do that, Habakkuk, I got to put you to the sword sometimes. I got to leave you alone sometimes, Habakkuk. I got to cause men to ride over your head sometimes. In Ephesians, Paul said, be not drunk with wine, but be drunk with the Holy Ghost. Why would Paul equate the Holy Spirit with wine? I've never been drunk before. But what I do know is that when a man is drunk, he see this, everybody see the sky is blue, the guy said the sky is red. And you can't convince him otherwise. The guy is flip. He's under the influence of something called alcohol. So Paul said, as a Christian, don't be drunk with wine. Be, be drunk with the Holy Ghost. Because to wake up in the morning and you don't have food on your table and still praise God, you have to be under an influence under the influence. Be drunk with the Holy Ghost. Because in this life, you will have trouble. Let me give you this vivid testimony. 2003, there was a civil war in Liberia. And <laughs> this story never gets old. We lived, my wife, me, my sister-in-law over there, we lived few, maybe quarter of a mile from the American embassy that everybody decided was the safest place to live. So because of the war, the American government has sent Marines to evacuate American citizens out of Liberia and leave the embassy empty. So people felt, once the American flag is still hanging up in, in this compound, if I went there, I would be safe. So people put their beds, their children and run into the American embassy and we were home on this particular day the rebels there was a breach connecting Monrovia central Monrovia to a place called Bush Road Island the rebels were on Bush Road Island the central government where we live were in Monrovia but in order to, to come to Monrovia that breach the rebel had to capture that breach and cross into Monrovia and so the government soldiers were fighting. There was a serious war. But on this particular day, the rebels were at the verge of crossing the breach. 
And when they cross, everything that breathes will die. Because before they crossed, they were shelling Monrovia. Just as you watch on TV, Russia and Ukraine, shelling Monrovia. People were dying. We saw bodies with their necks, their hands cut, chopped off. So then the serious part came. We have to decide if we stay home or go to the American Embassy compound. So all our neighbors were packing their stuff and moving. Everybody running. So we decided to pack and go also. And then we saw the whole group that were running up to the embassy running back down. Because while they were there fixing their tent, a mortal round landed in the embassy and scattered bodies. So the place where we're running is no longer safe. So if we stay home, we will die. If we go to the American embassy, we will die. I looked at my wife. All I could see was tangible fear. No hope. No hope. I walked to my bedroom and I stood by the window and I began to pray. And God spoke this word to my ears. Psalm 91. I rushed, picked my Bible and I read Psalm 91. He said, he that dwelt in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler. In verse 9, he said, A thousand will fall by thy side, and ten thousand by thy right hand, but it shall not come near you. I called everybody in our home. We had over 100 people in our home, displaced people, who felt that because we live close to the American embassy, we will be safe. And I called everybody back in the house. I said, we're going to pray. The Lord just gave me a word. The Lord said to me, where you see a thousand, it's a blank check. So you can replace it with a thousand rockets, a thousand stray bullets may fall, but they will not come near me. And we prayed that prayer, 2003. And everybody lie flat on the ground. And the shelling and the shooting and the fighting because a segment of the rebel had, had crossed the bridge and so the government is fighting to push them back and so the rebels are shelling 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 people are dying on the street in front of our home and here we are flat on the ground after a couple hours of fighting ceased and everybody came outside of home our neighbor's home had bullet holes mortar rounds in the wall all over all the homes across the street and we walked around our home not a single bullet not a single gunshot hit our home because he that dwell in a secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of almighty god i will say of the lord he's my refuge he's my fortress my god in him will i trust God will bring you through some situations. God will bring you through some stuff. God will put some burden on your head. It's because God knows you are able to take it. He knows what you can take. He knows how long you can take it. He knows how far you can go. If you're still going through it, it's because God believes in you. 
God believes in you. Stand your ground. Hold your faith. Believe in God. Believe in a promise. He said, with long life, I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. The reason I know I can't die anytime soon because I'm not satisfied yet. I got to tell God I'm ready to go. Because that's what he said in his word. The only thing that worries me about dying young is how another man will marry my wife. And that ain't going to happen. Ain't going to happen. Nothing else. Because if I die, I'll go to heaven. But can you imagine being in heaven in my golden mansion and tingling with somebody with my wife? Ain't happening. Ain't happening. Yeah. But God will put you through some stuff. There were days back home before I got on my feet. We were married very young. As a husband, you're afraid to touch your wife in bed because she's hungry. Civil war, no food. No water. You lie on the ground for 24 hours because if you stand up, there's a stray bullet that picks you out. And I know it's easy to say, I ain't been through that because God knows if you have gone through that, you might not have survived. So he didn't bring it your way, but he will bring you another test. I have this analogy about life. You see, if you don't take the lessons of God seriously, when the test comes, you will fail. And when you fail the test, you got to repeat the lesson. So why not take the lesson serious and pass the test? Because the test will come. God will put you down sometimes. And when you find yourself down, he ain't forgot you. He's writing your story. He's writing your story. He's writing your story. Why don't we stand? I want to leave you with this. Be an eagle. Do you hear me? an eagle embrace your storm embrace your fire embrace your warfare embrace your battles because it's, it's only after the war that the spoils are divided David said why are you cast down O my soul hope thou in God for God is your strength and your shield he told Abraham, I am your exceeding. I'm not your great reward. I'm your exceeding great reward. That means I'm more than your reward. God will find you at the point of your need. God will find you just the moment that you need him. Just when you're about to quit and think you can't take it no more. God will find you right there. And God will deliver you. You're going through stuff today. You want somebody to lift you before God. You want to present it to the altar. If, if I close without giving you this testimony, I wouldn't do justice to this word. It was 2019. We were sitting in that chair over there by my wife. 
And Pastor Stevens preached that day. If you remember, he had a Hebrew prayer shawl that he brought to church and he put it on a pole right over there. And he preached about a woman with an issue of blood who touched Jesus' garment and was healed. And he said, today I want you to walk over here with that issue on your mind and touch the knots on the garment symbolically and believe God. I was sitting on that seat, my wife, me, and our children were in this country without papers. We just had a temporary paper to work every year. But my son is about to get out of high school and if he don't have papers, he cannot go to college. He wants to be a doctor. And I've prayed about this for years. And then Pastor Stevens came with that word that day. He put a prayer show over there. And I walked from my seat. And I came over here. And I touched a knot on the prayer show. And I said, God, I don't know how you would do it. I don't know when you would do it. It's not my place to know how or when. But God, I pray that you do it. I walked back to my seat. A few months later, maybe two months, a senator from Rhode Island named Jack Reed introduced a bill on the United States Senate floor called the Liberia Immigration Act. The bill states, if you are a Liberian who have resided in the United States from November 20, 2014 up to current, you are immediately eligible to apply for green card. Now, that's not a testimony. That's just a sample. Under U.S. immigration law, if you got a green card, you have to wait for five years before you, you can apply to be an American citizen. So Jack Reed's bill that he introduced on the floor after the pressure experience said, when your green card is issued, it's not issued on the date it was signed. It's issued on the date you arrived in America. So in 2020, we applied for green cards on that bill, but we arrived here July 3rd, 2013. That means we have been here seven years already. So we got a green card and then we got citizenship. So in nine months, a process that should take five years, God condensed in nine months. From five years to nine months. What is that thing you think God cannot handle? What is it that you think God cannot do? Bring it to the altar. Elijah, I hear a sound of rain. Ahab, go back to the city. I will come. And Ahab gets on his chariot and goes to the city. The Bible says Elijah stayed behind and prayed. Three times he sent a servant to check if there was a sign of rain. And the servant went to check. On the third occasion, he said, I see a fist, a size of a fist. And then the Bible said, Elijah rose up. And the hand of God came upon Elijah. And he began to run. But Ahab was already gone hours ago. But when, a when Elijah reached the gate, when Ahab reached the gate of the city, he met Elijah waiting for him there. After Ahab supposed to reach there before Elijah, he was in a chariot. Elijah was on foot. He left hours ago. Elijah stayed hours later. When the hand of God is upon your life, 
God grants you divine acceleration. No matter who went ahead of you, when your time comes, God will shut in the time for your sake. Whatever it is that you have, I want you to give it to God today. Is it a child on drugs? Is it a child failing in school? Is it a runaway daughter? Is it a job problem? Is it a health crisis? Cancer? Whatever it is, this is your moment to bring it before him. Put it before him on this altar and watch God shutting the time for your breakthrough. May God bless us today at a home.